Welcome to Optimistically Salty. My name is Tracy and Brene Brown is back. To be fair, I think pretty much at the beginning of every year, I go back to some of my, um, I call it my required material. I usually will reread the five second rule, the alchemist, um, I usually come back to something by Brene Brown and you are a badass. Like those are the staples of starting off my new year the right way mentality wise, I guess. Um, Finishing off last year, I had read David Goggins. I had read um, Brene Brown again. I had read the Buddhist boot camp. I had read I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck. Like all these books were like a big turning my lights on again. Like, all right, come on now. Let's, let's get this moving again. Um, the move from the big house to the small apartment to the smaller house, that transition, like it just took a lot of my priority time and moving back into living life outside of that has been a little bit more difficult than I thought it would be that transition. And <clears throat> a friend had mentioned that she's reading um, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown's newer novel. And so I was like, all right, fine. I have an Audible credit. I'll get it. I'll listen to it in the car. And I finished it in two days. It's a, I want to say it's about an eight-hour listen. So I was pretty hardcore on it. I listened to the first two hours within that first day. And then the next six hours within one day. I had the day off and I was just cleaning and listening. which is good for my brain. I like that. But the thing about Brene Brown is her books tend to be pretty similar. Like I don't usually hear something that I've not heard from her before until maybe this book where I started to, it feels like she's being less safe with what she's saying. Like she's acknowledging that she's not everybody's cup of tea and that she understands how important it is to be okay with that. Where if you listen to some of her earlier books, she talks, she'll touch kind of lightly on things here and there, but it feels more open to the masses where this book is a little bit more of a, you need to figure out how to be okay with people who are not exactly like you. Which is a good solid message um, and definitely required at this point in our social evolution, I think. So one of the big things that I was struck with with this book, of course, is the reminder that I need to be showing up to be vulnerable. Um, in one of my relationships, I kept saying, you know, I'm, you need to trust me that I'm growing and changing and that I can show up. Like I need to be given something tested almost to see how I'm going to react and how I'm going to respond to things. But you have to trust me to start giving me that stuff. And of course, then I'm listening to this book four days later. Thank you, Lord, (laughs) for putting this in my life right now. Um, I'm showing, it's saying you have to be vulnerable before you can ask for trust. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. So she talks about this story with her daughter, Brene Brown. And her daughter is at school and has a really embarrassing thing happen. And she tells one of her friends. 
And of course her friend says, oh, I won't tell anyone. But then by the end of lunch, everyone in the class knows about this embarrassing thing. And it's so bad that the teacher actually takes marbles out of the marble jar. So they have like a behavior marble jar in the classroom. Like, oh, the class is doing really well. We add marbles. The class is not doing well. Marbles come out. So it was so bad that they remo- she removed marbles. And it goes on to talk about, the book goes on to speak about um, Brene talking to her daughter about friendship being like a marble jar. And that you don't run around necessarily being completely vulnerable with everyone, but you learn how to be vulnerable based on the marble jar. So as people show you their vulnerability, as people connect with you, you're putting marbles in each other's jars. And that it takes time to build a relationship that you are willing to be vulnerable in. And... As she talks about this, she also talks a lot about, you know, in our culture, we view vulnerability as a weakness. We think of like the somebody who breaks down in tears, maybe in the middle of a meeting, or we think about the people on social media who are oversharing their life as being vulnerability. And that's not really what it is. <laughs> I think in her Netflix special, she said something about like talking about your divorce on social media is not being vulnerable. Like your kids can see that that's oversharing. That's not being vulnerable. And I think that's kind of where we are in culture. We're very much like I'm putting myself out there and I don't care who likes me. And she even talks about that as the, the reality is we're hardwired to care what other people think. Like you can say that as much as you want, but that's in our biology. We care what people think about us. And there's not a way to like hack that out of your humanity. That's who you are. That's what we were made to. We're made for community. And yeah, you might have a hard time with that, but there's still somebody who you care about what they think. And then she went on to kind of talk about values in this book. And I, the thing that drew me to this book was that I have, every time we were divided into groups in class, like I was always the leader. It has never occurred to me that I was not a leader of some kind in some way in every aspect of what I do. And I am now starting to, realize that I'm coming to an age and a place in my life that that's probably going to show up more and more. I have always kind of surrounded myself with people who maybe were a little bit older or a little bit more mature. And now I'm looking around and I'm realizing, oh crap, I'm the older, more mature one who's showing up sometimes. (laughs) There's all these young ladies showing up in my life and I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be oversharing. I want to be living a more wholehearted life. So she talks about your values and like what your values are and what that means to you as a person and that you can't have all these values because then you value nothing. Like you need to know what is important to you. So I printed off a list online. Actually, back when I was at the apartment, I printed off this list and I've talked about it before, but I hadn't sat down with the list until I finished this book. And she's like, okay, sit down with the list 
and highlight the ones that stand out to you. And then take that list that you've highlighted and pick two. Like at some point, whether no matter what you want or don't want, even if you don't like what it is, you're going to have two and you're going to know what they are. So a few that are on the list are things like authenticity, balance, beauty, community, compassion, health, home, uh, time, uh, love, leisure, making a difference, respect, risk-taking, independence, curiosity, belonging, uh, vulnerability, self-discipline, joy. So I go through this whole list. I highlight the ones that stand out to me. And I'm just kind of staring at the list and I half accept, I know what they are. I already know what my two are and yet I kind of don't want them to be true because I have twisted and contorted these values so much over the course of my life that I've not honored them and developed them the way I should have. And one of them is intuition, which there have been little bits here and there that I have really honored my intuition. But for the most part, I second guess and question and end up ignoring my intuition more often than not. And the second one is independence, which for me became more about shutting other people out than actually living and breathing that value of independence. So they can kind of overlap. Like for me, intuition and faith and courage are very much woven together. And independence for me is also um, kindness and self-discipline and peace. So for me, you know, a lot of them kind of come together under one umbrella. But... I was not happy about these values. (laughs) When I told a few people about the two values that came up, they were like, well, yeah. (laughs) Like there was no denying what it was. But at the same time, I was like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. And a lot of my friends have been picking like these words, like my word for this year is, and it's, you know, some big, grand, amazing word. And I was like, okay, my word is vulnerability. But it was like, no, that's not good enough. That's not it. That's not it. And I'm still working on my word. But I do recognize that one of the other practices she had us do was to take a one inch by one inch square of paper and write out a list of people who are our people. So everything you do everything you say, you know, people come back at you in your life and you kind of reference your marble jar. Like, is this somebody who puts marbles into my marble jar or is this somebody who's not really a marble jar friend or relative? And being okay with that, I guess, was my struggle of last year. Like I finally began the year with like this realization that it was like, they're just not that into me and that's okay. And I kind of backed off of a lot of relationships and friendships because I needed some space to figure some stuff out maybe to kind of run at life. And coming into this year, I feel like it's the moving back in phase. And 
as I bring things up or as I'm going through things in my life and I share them, you know, there's that line of, am I oversharing or am I sharing and being vulnerable with what's going on? Or am I just talking about what's going on? Or am I venting about what's going on? And one of the other books I recently finished was talking a lot about ego, how we will sit down to have lunch with a friend and then spend the lunch not connecting with the person we're with, but talking about all the other people in our life, the things that happened, and that that's like our ego taking over instead of allowing connection. How do you take all this information and apply it to your life? I'll let you know when it happens. But for right now, I'm just trying to focus on that marble jar mentality. And for me, I can only focus on myself for that part. But Brene used a quote in her book that was said maybe four times, but every time I heard it, I was just like, that is, that is exactly why I'm here to hear this quote. She said, you need to have a strong back, a soft stomach, and a wild heart or soft front, not stomach. (laughs) Not worried about the abs there, just a strong back, a soft front, and a wild heart. And so often we armor up our front and we cage our heart and we're protecting a really weak spine. We're not living within our values. We're not showing up for relationships and we are armored up. We are armored up and we are numbing and that is our life. Watch out. So as I'm approaching relationships and I will say, honestly, I'm starting with the humans who I see face-to-face most often because that's a little bit easier for me to show up because I can see their face when I'm talking to them and have the reactions happening and it's a little bit easier to judge feedback then and know if you're actually connecting with someone or not because even with a phone call or an email or a text message it's just a really different interaction and So it's, I'm showing up. I am reminding myself strong back. And I have this like little visualization that my heart is like a caged bird and it's in like a golden cage. And these little bars, every time I'm able to show up, I'm breaking a bar off of this cage. I'm super into visualizing, by the way. I think it's all the years of meditation at this point. But I have, you know, let's say somebody in my house is upset and I have the opportunity to like armor up because of my own past life experience and my attitude and my learned behaviors, or I can work on unlearning those things and I can remind myself to have a strong back and a soft front. And that lets me show up for vulnerability. And then the heart for me really comes down to wisdom and joy. So I was part of a women's group last year and we just started up again this past week and we're learning about leadership, which is so perfect because that's where we're going this year. (laughs) And we talked about knowledge versus wisdom. And as the group was talking and kind of sussing out the idea, I was like, man, I feel like knowledge is what I have from reading so many of these books. But wisdom is when I can show up with my heart. Wisdom is that soul-to-soul connection and information exchange maybe, but it's more about something bigger than us 
that is in us. And recognizing that in other people and being able to be open and available to that is just lovely, but I'm wondering how long it will last. I'm, we always have that like foreboding, like how long can I stay open to this? How long can I be available to this feeling? And I think I come back over and over again to that strong back, soft front, open heart. Being okay with it not being okay. Being okay with... I want to think of how she talks about this in the book. She talks about how you're with your child if you're a parent and you're putting your kid to bed. And you're like, gosh, I love this kid so much. And then all of a sudden, like, your brain immediately goes to something horrific happening. Like, what would happen if I was killed and my child was tortured? (laughs) And apparently 95% of parents do this. Or she says a non-parent example. Um, Gosh, my job's going well. My life's going well. My health is good. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? This like foreboding thing that we like to like take joy away from ourselves. So finding the way to show up with that joy, to be vulnerable, to be open-hearted, and to live in my values that feels like the direction of moving, what moving back into my body looks like for me this year. Yeah, that felt a little rambly, but we're still good. (laughs) One of the other things that she talks about um, in all of her books, basically, uh, is the Theodore Roosevelt quote, the man in the arena. And the man in the arena is about a man who is... In the arena, his face is marred with dust and blood and that he is failing because he's, you know, he's achieving, he's failing because he is daring greatly. He's showing up. And it talks mostly about that the critics in the stands are not the ones that matter. And there are what she refers to as a lot of cheap seats available these days. A lot of people want to sit around and criticize what you're doing. They want to talk about you and not to you. And these are not the people who are going to make your one inch by one inch post-it list. (laughs) I still have not written my list because the realization that I've not been showing up and participating in the marble jars over the past, I don't know, decade has been blinding me this week and trying to learn how to start showing up again is um, awkward but fine I as I said I think it's easiest with people who I'm seeing on a regular basis because I can see their face I there's like a give and take exchange that's a little bit different than um, you know family that's out of state maybe. I talked to my mom on the phone yesterday and, you know, I can exchange information with her, but it's not the same as um, us sitting down and having a conversation and connecting. So I'm working on my list. I am trying to figure out who are my critics in the stands and who is down there while I'm being vulnerable, while I'm failing, 
And it's just like, man, that sucks that you failed, but you're okay. Like they're, they're there when I'm down, they're there when I'm up. They'll tell me when it's like, you're being crazy, but I'm still here. (laughs) I'm not sure how many of those people we actually get in our life, but I know when you have a moment, when you share something that you're being vulnerable about, um, mine for me recently has been my weight. I really need to just stop commenting about it, but I'm really feeling self-conscious about this like weight gain that happened at the end of last year. And anytime I bring it up, it's almost like I'm testing people. I'm actually really glad I am having like a talk therapy moment during this recording. It's like I'm testing people. Like I need somebody to be honest and be like, you know what? You have gained some weight. What are you going to do about it? That sucks. What are you going to do about it? And the people who kind of brush me off, like, oh, well, it could be worse. Or, oh, it's not that bad. Um, I'm not as inclined to share with people who can't meet me where I'm at. But at the same time, (laughs) I need to stop testing people with my shenanigans and uh, actually start living in my values. So, wow, lessons learned during podcasting, I guess. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap that up for today. Um, Hopefully, I kept to my structure a little bit. I know I had a couple of little brain meanders, but um, thank you for listening. I also wanted to do a really special thank you to my regular listeners because, honestly, I... I humbly appreciate you. I thought maybe four people will listen to my podcast and I know who they are. And I just reached 4,000 listens over the past week. And um, (laughs) that is bananas. So I appreciate you and I thank you for being here. And I am planning on an every other week rotation so that I have time to live, read, breathe, process, and report as the weeks go by. But I will definitely keep you posted and try to keep myself accountable to my schedule. So thank you so much. And wow. Today, I think let's just uh, focus on the optimism a little bit and the salty being like, the salt of the earth kind of situation right now. So um, as Brene Brown would say, go forward with your strong back, soft front, and your wild heart. <laughs>